The Incomparable. Number 429. October 2018. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and in this episode, we are continuing our walk through the seasons of uh, perhaps my favorite TV show of all time, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We're at season three from 1998 and 1999, because, of course, Buffy is in the class of 99, and they graduate in this season. Uh, This is the season, let's see, the big bad is the mayor, played by Harry Groner. Um, Angel, when we last saw him, had been sent, uh, had been killed slash sent to hell. He returns very quickly from that. Spoiler. Uh, well, there's going to be spoilers, Steve. There's going to be spoilers. Let me, let me introduce all the people who watched, uh, season three of Buffy with me. Uh, Steve Lutz, uh, has already been a personal spoiler warning and he's here. Hello. Whoa. There are some foxy ladies here tonight. He's the Zeppo of the group. Uh, That's right. Quinn Rose is here. Hello. Kiss rocks. Why would you want to? Oh, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Gene McDonald is here. Yeah, I don't think I'll be taking orders from you anymore. (laughs) And Aline Sims is here. I didn't write down any quotes, but hi. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Hey, key guy's still talking. You could use, are there any nachos in here, little tree? That's one of my favorites. (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, so yeah, season three of Buffy, I, I, I passed around a list of episodes. I don't know if everybody watched all of them or some of them or, or none of them, or is just relying on memory, but, um, this is the, this is the faith mayor, uh, season. And, uh, I enjoyed watching these episodes. I, I have a little opening statement and then I'll turn it around to everybody else to, if you've got any overall comments about this season before we dive into some of the details. And my overall comment is this, which is this season, um, contains when i when i looked back to see what was in this this season can actually contains a bunch of plot threads that i hate (laughs) i i hate the i'm hiding angel angels kind of bestial nobody trusts angel even though he got his soul back what's your problem yeah there's a whole lot of threes company in buffy season three yeah so i hate that (laughs) drama i hate the uh willow xander Oz, Cordelia, crisscross, found out, infidelity, mm-hmm. angst. I really kind of, I, I really hate that. There are parts of little nuances of that that I, that I, it leads to some interesting, nice moments in the rebuilding of the Willow-Oz relationship, but there's a whole lot of that that I don't really love. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really, oh, I, I just, I'm going to come out and say it, I don't really like Faith as a nope. character and in yep. this season it's her at her worst i think they have to rebuild this character in future seasons and on angel and then future more seasons of buffy after that mm-hmm. but here i think she uh she doesn't really work for me uh comes across like i, I wince at elijah dusku's performance and the dialogue that is written for her and mm-hmm. they keep kind of like veering all over the place with who she is as a character i don't know if i ever really buy the fact that she goes to work for the mayor that seems also kind of like out of the blue and weird oh i don't i don't particularly particularly love all of the mechanics of the Watchers Council, although there is a nice fake out with Gwendolyn Post and Wesley <laughs> is actually kind of delightful as a wet blanket uh, who everybody <laughs> makes fun of. But what what overall what I have to oh, also and this episode or this season contains what I consider perhaps the worst episode of Buffy, which is amends. <laughs> oh, wow. And and yet. All of the, yeah, the Chris, Christmas with ghosts in Sunnydale. But it snowed. It's a miracle. But it snowed. Yeah, that's the literally the worst thing ever in Buffy. So that all said, 
every single episode I watched, I just sat there and smiled the whole way through and said, God, I love this show. And that is the contradiction. It's <laughs> like for all of my complaints that I have about a bunch of the parts of this, then I sit down and watch an episode and I'm like, this is great. And so that's my relationship with Buffy season three, I guess. Everybody else, what what do you think of this season? Can, can I, I, I would like to respond to a couple of points. Okay, Jean, yes. <laughs> my rebuttal is. She has an opening rebuttal. I like it. This is an ongoing conversation. And yes, please do. Okay, the the Oz, uh, Willow, Cordelia, Xander thing, it was annoying, but they needed to break those people up. And they also made it so that Xander and Willow would not ever get together again. Um, because couples ruin TV shows, you know, almost more so than babies. And um, it was a little boring to have like two like committed couples in the show for the whole season. So that was important to me. Um, yeah, but I do agree with the faith thing. I, I, I didn't remember this until watching it again for this podcast, thinking like, wow, faith kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> not just like that she's, you know, two-faced and evil and whatever. No, that part I would be okay with. But the, the, you know, her whole like, oh, I'm a badass. I'm always going to turn things into sexual innuendo yeah. about <laughs> slaying and food. And and she's not that great of an actress. And I thought that I, I used to like her a lot as a kick-ass, you know, um, you know, foil to Buffy. And I even went so far to like look at some uh, clips from Dollhouse, which I actually watched. And while, you know, this is not about Dollhouse, I thought – that, that Eliza Dushku was good in that. And I thought, yes, she's way better in that because she doesn't have to be this cartoon of a character. And she's written as such a, like a generic bad girl. Like every, everything she has to do and say is just, Ooh, I'm the, I'm the bad one who could do anything at any moment. And, uh, and she leans into it. Like she mm -hmm. leans into the cheese of, of the writing, which is kind of a major problem when like so much of the through line for the season is, you're concerned about, you know, whether Faith is going to come back from the dark side. And honestly, when she started to go dark, I frankly just didn't much care because she, <laughs> she didn't, she, I, I didn't find her interesting and I didn't like her character. And so I totally get what they're trying to do, right? Like with Kendra, we got the like, uh, super goody two shoes doing everything the watchers want you to do, uh, character. Faith at least has more than one shirt. In, I'll say that for you. That's true. In, in contrast to Buffy, uh, with Faith, they're like, ah, but what if in contrast to Buffy, there's this really bad girl and, and Buffy realizes that, hey, she's actually pretty responsible. I get I get it, like, in theory, but it's also very hard to have a character do a turn when you kind of either see it coming or think that she's already there. Or I don't, I don't know. I had, I, 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 yeah, I have problems with it. The way they did it was just like, oh, she's a slayer. She killed a human. Now she has a taste for blood. I'm like, is this like a wives tale from 1953? Like I, <laughs> what, what is that? Like every slayer who accidentally kills someone suddenly has like human bloodlust. Blood it's bleh. like, I didn't buy it. <laughs> I'd like to feel like at this point I should present a lukewarm defense of faith. Okay. <laughs> oh, go for it. I'm here for it. And let me be clear that faith is not the hill I'm going to die on because 
I agree with a lot of what's been said, but I feel like I take a much less harsh stance on her as a character. And part of this gets back to one thing that I was thinking about a lot while watching the season, which is I personally think that my experience of Buffy the Vampire Slayer was ideal in that I watched it for the first time when I was about 12 years old. And so everything <laughs> that was that didn't make sense, and there's so much that doesn't make sense, um, and that is hokey or poorly written at parts, like none of it mattered to me at all. And I was totally in on it. And I like have this such deep love for it. And then I went back and wa- I'm watching it all again now for the incomparable. And I'm like, man, okay, some of this stuff is not great, but I still have that <laughs> so ingrained in me. So a lukewarm defense of faith and her as a character is while I think that a lot of her dialogue and like the specific writing in episodes does leave a lot to be desired. I also think that what she did in the show was important. I mean, especially like her as an ongoing character in later seasons, which I don't think we're really going to touch on, but I think that gets much more interesting and important. Agree a hundred percent. Yeah. But in this season, like I think that the plotline of her accidentally killing a man um, was sort of the pinnacle of, of them presenting her as a foil to Buffy. And like, cause I think that was a question the show wanted to ask, but didn't want Buffy to be the person to do it. And so she was the person that could fill that role. Um, and I wish they had spent more time dealing with that instead of being like, and now she's evil, I guess. Um, <laughs> but I still think that it raised some really interesting questions and, and leaves the, it, and lets us think about those issues as like, because they talk about it and they're like, no, this has happened before. And these, accents happen like this is a part of slayer lore and i think that while i wish they had gone down that more i think it was a cool door to open i also think that presenting her as a woman with sexual agency is a good thing i do not think the show handles it well i think that it is not done well at all but i do think that it's still you know low these many years later that's not something that we see very frequently um, at least, you know, not on something easily accessible. Well, Buffy wasn't like super easily accessible when it was airing, but you know, this wasn't, this wasn't something that we really saw. That's why like sex in the city was so revolutionary. And so I do appreciate that. I don't, like I said, I don't think it was done, you know, well, but it was something. See, that's it is that Faith is certainly a very much sex positive character, but the problem is it's used to, as an indicator that she's bad right Right. like so (laughs) so it's great like there's so many things and this is uh, to further what quinn was saying um this is the thing that like they got faith more right later like they they figured out as time went along how to how to take this character but here i feel like she's also just sort of trapped in the in the the season arc that they need her to turn they want slayer versus slayer with the mayor which rhymes by the way i just got that uh the uh it's like a real rumble in the jungle it's the slayer and the mayor Uh, oh gosh the oh gosh uh (laughs) send them to heck um so so uh i get i get like why what purpose she serves in the in it it's just i don't know i mean it is fascinating the idea of like you pick these girls to be the slayer or they are picked for you and what about the ones who are kind of out of control and um killing uh whatever and not like focusing on their job and all of that but does it really get dealt with i don't i don't know no and the other thing about uh faith is that I think that she's such a caricature that they actually rely on some shorthand. They don't even uh, they 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 refer a lot of times to oh well she she's had a rough time of it or she's had a hard life. But I don't think they ever actually explain what 
kind of a hard life she's had, they just kind of take it as a given that, you know, oh, well, she must Well, she's from Boston, so <laughs> that, that is hard. <laughs> Oh, man, well, that's tough. And, She's and by way of Canada, because that uh, Canadian accent pops up here and there. Well, and they do talk about, like, her mom was an addict and she was neglected and maybe abused. And, that kind of comes up in passing in one episode, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's just kind of referred to yeah. in passing and not really focused on at all. And so yeah, it's it, I, I have a really hard time sympathizing with her for a variety of reasons, but like even the real obvious kind of uh, manipulative reasons I should be uh, were, are concerned about her. You know, they kind of screwed the pooch on that one, too. Yeah, well, I don't understand. I mean, watching it this time, I'm like, so Faith comes on the scene and she's OK, technically badass in a certain way, but she's so afraid of Kakistos, that original, you know, bad guy in the, that episode three. And she, and, and she's so traumatized by the, that the fact that her watcher was killed that she can't, that doesn't make sense to me that she goes from that to being like the faith we see like one episode later. You know, she, she seems like she's, she's vulnerable to the trauma of being a slayer and then she goes on to be like no i'm not vulnerable at all and 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 acts that way yeah that's things kind of turn on a dime this season for no apparent reason <laughs> yeah. i mean just pretty much throughout actually i have yeah. an opening statement we okay. kind of went down a faith rabbit hole uh, okay. but i was going to give my uh my view on the statement or the the season as a whole um this season kind of started off a little bad i thought um there's a lot of things that I liked about the first two seasons of Buffy that j they've just kind of given up on at this point. I feel like are they on the still on the WB at this point? Yeah, oh yeah, that, until until season six they're on. And the then, WB. then they're on the CW. Yeah, or it's UPN actually. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> so it's all the CW now. Yes, all of the dead networks retroactively. It's which is which is actually fitting when you think about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, there's there's so much stuff in the early going that's just. WB Dawson's Creek teens and their relationships problems, you know, <laughs> and, and, uh, like they've thrown out monster of the week for the most part. E episode four is literally my boyfriend escaped from his cage. My boyfriend also escaped from his cage. Yeah. But oh. I mean, there's, they're few and far between there, <laughs> but yeah. And, uh, and, uh, you know, the standard vampires are just kind of a joke. Now they're just cannon fodder. They aren't even really trying to be scary anymore. Um, and you know, they don't worry about plot holes at all because it's very secondary to the, uh, you know, the, the, the intermingling of the various relationships and so forth, but it picks up a lot, uh, in the later season. Um, I, I feel like towards the end it, it improves, but the, my, my main sort of feel for this season is it's, it feels like they're really kind of adrift here. And I think you pointed this out, Jason, there are so many little plot lines that get introduced and they're either um, resolved within like an episode or two, or they're just kind of let go. I mean, the Mr. Trick pops up. He seems like he's going to be an interesting foil. And then he's dispatched in a totally unremarkable manner. Yeah. You know, the, the mayor gets introduced fairly early and, and never really goes anywhere, you know, until much, much later. And uh, by the time he actually starts doing anything particularly distressing, I've already kind of tired of the guy. <laughs> the new Watcher thing seems like it's going to be really interesting, but really nothing changes. I mean, Giles is still basically the Watcher, and, and Wesley is just sort of hanging around to be the whipping boy. 
and and so you know just as a general rule i i feel like there's they're trying to do too much and they're not really sure where they're going here and and there's a lot that just doesn't work i still really enjoyed a lot of it but uh it's it's a big step down i think from season two where the whole angel arc i think worked really well and was very well paced i forget large swaths of the season um <laughs> yeah I, I've I've probably mm-hmm. watched it four or five times at this point, like front, you know, front to, beginning to end. And I was watching like the first episode and I was like, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then Faith came in. And I was like, oh, right. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> I remember the end because for some reason, uh, Principal Schneider being eaten is like forever. I'm like, oh, so there goes Quark. All right. Even that, though, is much less momentous than it should be. He yeah. gets eaten and that's it. He hasn't even been particularly odious for like several episodes up until that point. So <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it, it's just a very, like, it, in I watch it and I enjoy it. Like, there's no point where I'm like, oh, this is awful. But it's just not, for me, it's not a sticky season at all. Um, and so, and in like the first episode, I was reminded of the things that I really don't like about Buffy. Like, I don't like Joyce. I don't like her as a character. I don't <laughs> like, I, I just, yeah. I don't like Joyce. And the very first episode, you know, Buffy's, she kicks Buffy out. Buffy leaves as commanded. And then she gets back and Joyce is like, well, you're awful because you left. And I was like, if I could reach through the yep. screen in the past two decades and smack you, I would do it. Like I would do that right now. And I'm not a physically violent person. I don't like Xander. I think I've said this before, but when I was, you know, when the show was airing, I liked Xander. (laughs) Now, I do not. Like, I think that he is a horrible example of a person who is at once supportive and bitter. And, you know, like, we, we get this... This whole episode dedicated to poor, poor Xander and how he's left in the dark and, you know, goes off on his little zombie trip or whatever. And I just didn't feel because he's never like, oh, what's going on? Can I help? What can I do? And the end of the episode, it's like, oh, the world almost ended again. Uh, what are we going to, you know, how are we ever going to recover from this? It was really bad. And Xander's just like, whatever, I'm not going to ask what was going on. I'm not going to ask how you are. Like, he's just an awful friend. He's an awful friend. So I totally disagree. I think I think that Xander has lots of issues that I did not recognize yeah. when I originally watched yeah, this show. But in season three, I think he grows up. I think by the mm-hmm. end, he is in a completely different place. The, yeah. the pining over Buffy is over. We get That's nice. the whole Cordelia Willow thing is kind of X'd out. Um, we, he meets Anya. I, I find their banter uh, kind of delightful. And I love, I mean, we haven't gone to the episodes yet, but I love the Zeppo. The mm-hmm. end of the Zeppo is not, I don't care that you saved the world. The end of the Zeppo is, I also saved the world by myself while you guys were doing that, because I can do that. Even though you think that I'm not uh, helpful, I actually had a whole adventure of my own. Because that's the point of that episode, is that they're saving the world in the background, while Xander is saving the world in the foreground. So so I, I think Z- Xander gets on track in season three, after being really kind of confused and lost in the first two seasons. 
The biggest problem I have with Xander in this season, and it's it's been getting worse, I think, throughout, is a lot of his supposedly funny quips are increasingly just mean spirited sounding. It's just mean. They don't 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 age well either. I think is part of mm. it too. And and I think in the early going, they they he was more likable just because, as written, he was maybe less. He 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 was acting less caustic, and that's actually a problem I have early on with most of the characters is they're all kind of dicks to each other in the early <laughs> going. I mean, when she arrives, they're kind of awful to her. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she's clearly been through a lot and they knew that when she took off at the end of the season, they make reference to it early on and then they're all kind of terrible. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's kind of a weird turn for those characters, which fortunately turns <clears throat> around a little bit later, but like Xander in particular, when yeah. he says things that are supposed to be like kind of cutesy and funny and hey you know let's diffuse the uh the tension in the scene just ratches up the tension yeah, super <laughs> passive aggressive yeah oh yeah. it's awful <laughs> well and you know i mean at the end of uh season two nobody was there besides her to witness this like killing of angel and him going into the hell you know dimension so that I mean, that becomes a plot point in season three that right. nobody understands that he was cute. He had been cured by Willow's spell, and Buffy had to decide to nonetheless, you know, kill him and push him into that um, that vortex. So they didn't know when she left, like how exactly how broken she was from what she had to do well i mean the amount of hell she'd been up to up until that point should i think have been enough for her right for them to have been a little bit more decent when she returned even if they didn't necessarily know no it's true they weren't the greatest of friends yeah, <laughs> yeah even if your boyfriend wasn't turned back from being evil at the last minute you still had to run your the guy who was your boyfriend and then turned evil through and send him to hell slash kill him mm-hmm. right it's bad either way Yep, I I agree. I I I feel like they get. It's a weird season. Like viewed from a, a, a distance, it is. <laughs> uh, I I look at a lot of the stuff that happens in the early going and think like, well, they obviously had some ideas about where they were going, but they almost had too many, and they weren't sure which ones were going to work. And it and it really doesn't come together until I mean. You know, depending like the overall season doesn't really come together until the back half. I would say that they don't really have what I would call like a, a a solid, solid, solid thumbs up episode until like eight and nine, like Lover's Walk and The Wish. Um, it's a shaky start. It's it, it, it's it's no doubt. And then Amends is in there, which I hate. So, yeah. <laughs> I like band candy a lot. That comes a I like here. band candy. Yeah, can, uh, band candy is good. Well, that's it. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's Monster of the Week, though. It is. Yeah. With season three, I feel like season three is honestly one of my favorite seasons of Buffy. Um, and it's not that I disagree that it's largely like it, it falters and it, I don't think it's as cohesive as uh, many of the other seasons, but I think it has some of my, so many of my favorite individual episodes and even individual moments from this show. And I, I really like the mayor. I think he's I so like weird and delightful. <laughs> I just, every time he's on screen, I'm like, you're so weird. I love you. <laughs> it's a super yeah. strange choice for a big bad, right? Like there's yeah. that scene where he's like, yes, I think there might be a PlayStation. <laughs> it's like, what is this show? What is happening here? But there's nothing remotely ominous about him. That's the problem I have with him. <laughs> okay. Well, that which is, which is refreshing, you know, for a, a show with so many ominous bad guys that like, here's a guy 
I, you know, and it, it's too bad Buffy doesn't meet him early on, I guess, just because like how she would react to him. But by the time she meets him, she knows he's a bad guy. I feel like the mayor's arc throughout this whole season is such a lovely contrast to the previous season's Big Bad. Um, well, I mean, Spike was great, but like w- the whole thing with Angelus and it's so emotional and so gut wrenching the entire time in the relationship between Angel and Buffy. And it's this whole big thing. Whereas with the mayor, I mean, like gets very, very dangerous and it, it um, is a huge threat, but also is just like, in a way is a lot more lighthearted and there's fewer emotional stakes going on. And they they have that with faith somewhat, but like Buffy is not as close to faith as she is to Angel. And so it doesn't have the same amount of like making me sad all the time. It's almost like the emotional stakes in this. We talked about the, you know, couples and things like that. It's like they decided to separate the emotional arc from the plot arc this season. Mm. And that might be after Angel, which is a super emotional season long arc. Maybe that was the right decision to make. I don't know. But um, I, I, I agree with you, Quinn. There are so many episodes in here that I love, even though when I look at it as a whole, I'm like, yeah, it's kind of a mess. But but there's a lot of great <laughs> stuff in it, which was that was what surprised mm-hmm. me when I was watching it. It's like, there's so much of this that's like, what are you doing? And then I watch an episode. And I'm like, oh, but this is a great episode. So great episode. We need to take a little break from the show now because I need to tell you something. You, my friend listening to me, I'm here in your ears. I need to tell you about Pingdom, our sponsor. They're brilliant. Why are they brilliant? They're brilliant because they help keep your website and all the other sites on the internet that you love up and running. They monitor your site so you don't have to. They give you real-time feedback so you know what's going on all the time. Now, the internet is great. We love the internet. But you know what? It's full of computers. Computers are untrustworthy. You look away for a minute. You don't know what they're going to get up to. They're trouble. And that means stuff breaks. Stuff breaks on the internet all the time. So many things break on the internet all the time because computers are not trustworthy. That Pingdom detects about 13 million outages per month, more than 400,000 a day. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company or just one person. Computers hate you. They do. And you need alerts about any critical issues to your website. They'll let you customize how you're alerted, depending on the severity of the outage. Plus, Pingdom will track and analyze your website's load time so you can see what's affecting the user experience. If you have a site of any size, if you have a website, do you, let me put it this way. Do you have a website run by a computer? I bet the answer is yes. And that means you need Pingdom. And all Pingdom needs is the URL you want to monitor. They take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash Snell right now. You'll get a 14-day free trial, a fortnight of Pingdom for free with no credit card required. And then use this code Snell, my last name, when you check out and you'll get 30% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom for keeping those shifty computers in line and for sponsoring The Incomparable. One of the things they dropped was Principal Snyder, like... At the end of season two, it was like, he knows, he knows some stuff. Like there's some stuff happening and he's part of that. And then season three, and I don't know if it was, I know that, um, because of DS9 filming, sometimes he was supposed to be in episodes and he was actually not in episodes and that kind of thing. But like, what was that? Did they have an actual, I tried researching to see if they had an actual plan for that, that they dropped or if it was something they just, Losted, you know, they were 
<laughs> like we're going to introduce this. And when they dropped the name of the mayor and the mayor wants to talk to you and then had the mayor reference at the very beginning of this season, yeah. I'm not entirely sure that they had figured out quite what they were going to do with Snyder and the mayor and whether that was about the actor's availability or whether that was that they thought better of it um, or thought it was more fun to just have Snyder be a rule follower who wants everybody mm-hmm. to, you know, follow and he's the leader and he makes the rules um, or what? Because even at the end, like when he finally gets mad at the mayor in his la- in his scene where he is eaten by a giant snake demon, um, he he basically he's like he wants order. And this is out- yeah. outrageous that the mayor is turned into a giant sna- snake because it's disorderly. Right. That that is I think that's what they finally settled on with Snyder. They also have the whole turn where they have to get Buffy back in school, which, you know, takes some effort mm-hmm. and some threats and. Things like that that are are kind of fun scenes, but it is putting mm-hmm. a lot of things back in the bottle after letting them all out of the bottle at the end of season two. Yep. Yeah, like the law enforcement, like he's talking to them, like he's going to cover it up, and he's no, and then nothing. And then it was nothing. Weird. Yeah. And I weird. think that's what I found kind of disappointing about the early going here is that the last season ended on such a chaotic. The world will never be the same. Emotional, tragic note. And then they immediately start kind of putting the pieces back together. I mean, I understand you can't have like three or four episodes where Buffy's gone and the Scooby gang is just like doing God knows what back in Sunnydale. But I I almost feel like that would have been more satisfying than having her come back after one episode. I think for September 1998, it's a pretty bold move that episode one is the is what it is, right? Because they do keep her they do keep her out for a whole episode. Maybe Mm -hmm. maybe I'm looking at this through glasses, you know, of 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 the time that's passed and the kind of shows that we get these days. But I, I did find that sort of unsatisfying, and then more and more, you know, of the things that broke the last season just sort of get glued back together with no effort. Yeah, we gotta we gotta set up the new thing and and kind of get get back get everything back together yeah which is fine i just feel like it was so quick that uh that it kind of in a in a way delegitimized all of the the pain that kind of went on in the previous season yeah well you can see this is a weird time for television i was just reading uh a thing about um I'm speaking of Deep Space Nine about Deep Space Nine trying to do story arcs and stuff when the network just wanted them to do or the or Paramount we just wanted them to do standalone episodes. This was a really weird time for TV where a lot of TV shows were trying to have these season long story arcs, but they also had this real fear that people weren't going to be able to follow if they didn't catch every episode. And so all of television is sort of struggling with the storytelling. And Buffy is right there on the front lines where they want you could see the ambition, right? But you also see like the hesitation of like, well, it's story arc, but monster of the week too, because they could, they just couldn't. And so a bold move, like keeping Buffy out of Sunnydale for four episodes, uh, like they, I, I would bet you that the WB said she's got to be back in Sunnydale by the end of episode one. Like, right. <laughs> now, do you know at what point they realized they were going to spin off Angel? I think that, I think they knew going into the season that Angel was getting his own show because I actually remember reading an article during the end, at the end of season two that said, they were going to do an angel show. And I hmm. th- I spent the whole season three wondering what was what they were going to do with Angel, especially since they killed him, right? <laughs> how are they going to bring him back? And then it was like, well, how are they going to write him out? And then it, it does end up that he basically just sort of waves at Buffy from across a crowded street and disappears and, and goes off to have his yeah. own TV show. I, Again, almost instantaneously, he goes from lovey-dovey to, well, see ya. But I think I think they knew going in that they were probably going to do an Angel spinoff. Um, now, a lot of the details I think they didn't know. I think they didn't know Charisma Carpenter was going to go 
be on it. They certainly didn't know that uh, that Alexis Denisoff was going to be on it because he actually was brought in mid-season after uh, Glenn mm-hmm. Quinn left. This is not the Angel Season 1 podcast. But anyway, the Angel picked up a lot of characters <laughs> from Buffy uh, after this season. But I, I think they were all various levels of planning. Um, and and various accidental let's we need another actor can we bring in somebody we know Mm. the reason i'm curious is because it seems like the angel arc in this one kind of turns on a dime towards the end so talking about angel in general like like i said uh he's first off he's a hallucination in the first couple of episodes and the third episode he comes back mysteriously and i i I think surprisingly i think that's a fun moment where the the Mm -hmm. she leaves and and they do the end of episode fade out and yeah. then the light comes on his ring. Yeah. And then a naked angel falls from the sky. Yeah, naked yeah. and shivering and sweaty and all of that, right? And it's like, oh, no, <laughs> what happened there? But, you know, his story is done, right? His story is essentially done. And so he's around and he tries to be helpful. And they do this whole thing about like, oh, but we don't like Angel. But I, and I must I must not tell people Angel is here, right? Which yeah. I, yeah. I totally, I hate that. But... Like they have nothing else to do with him. I mean, really, he's his story. His the great story of Angel and Buffy was told, and now what? And he can't go off to a spinoff yet. Although the the, yeah. the fake out where Angel has supposedly gone bad again is pretty good. I like that. I do, yes. I, no, there's good stuff with Angel, but it's like they don't. I mean, he's not the point of the season, right? So he's just gotta. They just gotta move him through. He's not the point, but I feel like that having Angel in there, Angel and Buffy together is a very classic senior year of high school storyline. Sure. Oh, and, and they get to do the milestones, right? They get to do the, the uh, homecoming or the prom. You know, I mean, honestly, like the most emotionally moving parts for me of this season are Buffy, re- you know, reacting to, you know, breaking up with Angel yet again. God, she's good at that. She does heartbroken better than anybody I think she I've ever does. seen. She does. And I mean, and that's high school. You know, I mean, that's also totally. other areas of life, but definitely senior year of high school, that feeling of like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, as you know, for some people, it's like, well, you're going to this college and he's going to that college and you're both 18 and you should like m- meet new people and do new things. Like, don't lock yourselves down. That's like the, the standard on earth, mm-hmm. you know, storyline. But for them, it's like, well, you're a slayer and he's a vampire and you're 18 and he's, you know, immortal and 243 years old at least and whatever, you know, that's the only scene that I like uh, Buffy's mom in is saying like, Angel, you know, this is true. And I hope that you love her enough to do the right thing. I feel bad about Joyce, but because, you know, parents just don't understand. That's basically she has to be <laughs> she has to be that. And, and that's another case, actually, where her finding out that Buffy's the Slayer at the end of last season, the show is not entirely sure what it wants to do with mm-hmm. her and her knowledge of that after that. Like, we get the, have you tried not being the Slayer? What You know, there's follow-up to that, but really, it's a difficult position for her to be in. She does a lot of, are you running away again? That goes, there are way too many scenes of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. All the way through to the end of the season where there's, are you running away again? Um, it's a kind of a thankless, thankless part, I think, Joyce. It is a thankless part. I really miss her having to balance her double lives, too. I think it was a mistake to sort of let her reveal herself to so many people. That's true. That's the classic, uh, you know, Spider-Man kind of thing, right? You never tell Ant-Man that you're (laughs) Spider-Man. With the part with Angel, though, that does allow us to have some of the most delightful parts 
I believe in the entire series of Buffy, which is the episode Lover's Walk, where Spike comes back. Yeah. Um, and his, it's so even though funny. the plot doesn't really make sense Mm-mm. because th- this show <laughs> bends over backwards to not kill Spike. There's no logical reason why Spike is alive. Um, but like we, we have all these scenes with Buffy and Angel and Spike having to work together for no real good reason, but sure. Um, and then he gives a great speech to, Buffy and Angel calling them out on their relationship that's not a relationship Mm -hmm. and how badly they're handling it. And this is the only episode that Spike is in this season, but I think it's one of his best. Yeah, this this is um, this is the producers realizing that that character is too good to let go of. Yeah, the last DVD in my six DVD set of season three has Spike's face on it, which is very misleading. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I remember that. I've got to say he shows up in one episode and he's not even on the last disc. Nope, but Mm-mm. but they got they got him in there. But that was like we just got to have this guy back, and obviously, oh yeah, brought him he's in. great. And I love that he comes to Joyce for sympathy. Mm-hmm. Exactly, I love that too. That was really cute. And then, and then where Joyce is like confused because she's like, "Well, Spike was the good vampire <laughs> at the end, last time I checked, and Angel is trying to get in the house, and he was the bad one." <laughs> Do you have any of those little marshmallows? <laughs> <laughs> Very hard to be Slayer Mom. Um, should we dive into individual episodes? Just, uh, sure. you know, we got, we, there, there are lots. So if there are, if there are particular episodes, um, from the beginning that people want to talk about, we could, we can talk about them uh, for a short, a short time. Um, I want to mention Anne only because I, the first episode, because it is so off format. It is Buffy in LA and there are a bunch of things I like about it, including creepy Ken, the, uh, uh, the the guy who just wants to take you to a hell dimension and suck your life force out of you, but with a smile. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, I, and of course, the purpose of this whole episode is to really set up the idea that time passes differently in a hell dimension because they're going to use that for Angel. But, you know, I feel like after the trauma of the last episode of season two, we kind of deserved an episode where Buffy is, is uh, you know, she she got on that bus, right? So now we need to see her away at least a little bit. I'll get at least a glimpse of it. So I was happy. Uh, you know, that episode is uh, is weird. And there are parts about it that I, I wish were executed slightly better, uh, including at the very end. What I really want to have happen at the end is that Buffy sends Anne ahead through the portal. And then Anne waits for Buffy. And like 10 seconds later, an entire army of people that Buffy has raised in the intervening months in the hell dimension and overthrown the entire regime pours out. But they couldn't afford that. So they just pop out of the hell dimension and it's over with. But oh, that would have been good. I, I do enjoy the the well, because 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 of the pacing and the budget um, the implication is there are a whole bunch of people still being held hostage there that they just leave behind. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not implied. There are tons and tons of people that are still there. She right. only walks out with the group that she came in with. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of wish that, that that had been the ending is that Buffy stays behind for a moment, but it's actually she frees everybody and kills every all the demons because uh, <laughs> she's really got some pent up anger is what I'm saying. I also like this episode because it's one of... Uh, a couple of times this season where she gets validation for the work she's doing. Like after coming, coming off of her mom, basically rejecting her and kicking her out and the trauma of the last season, (laughs) last months or whatever for her, um, she gets this, um, this person who's like, I recognize you, you saved my life. 
Like, can you help me now? But like, she gets validation that she never, ever, ever got at home outside of kind of, you know, the Scooby gang. And, um, you know, like again with the prom episode, which I'm sure right. we'll talk about a little <laughs> bit. Um, but, but I appreciate that, especially, um, as someone again who's watched this season several times, knowing what she's going to go home to when she finally does go home, it's kind of nice to have that kind of, uh, to bolster her a little bit before she heads off back to face the consequences mm. of leaving. Anybody else want to throw out an episode? We're gonna do it that way. It's not a draft. Oh. I just, uh, <laughs> just uh, we'll try to go vaguely chronologically, but I don't want to hit every episode because there's too many episodes. But if you've got uh, uh, one you want to want to throw out there, I liked Homecoming. I liked Slayer Fest '98, and all the all the limo stuff is yes. hilarious in that, yeah. right? Yeah, and also Cordelia, Cordelia, you know, like Cordelia, and and also girls, you know, beating up on the bad guys in their prom dresses and mm-hmm. shoes. I feel like that's the core of what Buffy is at its best, which is especially in these first three seasons where they're in high school, which is you take a thing from your high school life and then you mess it up with monsters, <laughs> right? But it's still mm-hmm. got all of those all of those things and the homecoming episode definitely does that. And that's my favorite that's my favorite Mr. Trick. Yeah. That was something I don't think they did enough of in season two. They do a bit more in season three and I'm I'm pleased with that. Yeah, the fact that we actually get the homecoming dance and the prom and and all of mm-hmm. that, you know, it suddenly it's. I almost felt like the high school had disappeared in season two for much of it. Yeah. Well, in band candy, all the adults behave <laughs> like teenagers, and uh, Giles and Joyce uh, are get it on. Yeah, they are they are troublemakers, and they do get it on. I love how that comes up later. Way it's later. Hilarious. <laughs> Much, yes. Oh, you could, oh, I don't know, sleep with my mom, and he walks into a, a tree. Yeah. <laughs> and when she finds out, she's reading, you slept with Giles, or you had sex with Giles, on the roof of a car, twice? Like, it's just, yeah. I just, well, yeah, I was like, why is Joyce so afraid to, like, <laughs> hang out with Buffy when she can read mine? She's like, I mean, I, you know, probably your average mother doesn't want their kid to read their mind, but... Uh, and then there was like, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> she she yes. can't stop thinking about that. Which implies that she's thinking about that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you know that Buffy can read your mind, of course you're going to be thinking about that. The thing you least want to know. <laughs> I like when they let Anthony Head bust loose a little bit. Uh-huh. He got to do some of it in the last season. And in this, mm-hmm. he's he's just able to go kind of crazy. And it's he's he's great. I really enjoy his performance in this episode. His late 70s, early 80s punk persona that comes <laughs> yeah. out here with his- oh, all, all the music like references you know and uh-huh. and joyce saying like so do you like seals and crafts <laughs> <laughs> and he like gives her this look she's like, oh yeah me neither <laughs> i also just love seeing the bronze full of elderly people it's <laughs> after seeing the all it really is all ages now <laughs> and the use of Snyder in this episode is so funny. And he's mm-hmm. just this giant. You can imagine that's exactly what he, what he was like in high school. This giant nerd. He's just following people around. Mm-hmm. He probably liked that one the best. Uh, the actor. Armin Shimmerman. Yeah, probably yeah. so. Probably so. You had us watch uh, Faith, Hope, and Trick. You did point out a few episodes yeah. that uh, they were sort yeah. of recommended. And um, I assume that one was because that's where Faith gets introduced. Yeah, it yeah. felt like that was important to me. And, and you get the, you, and Mr. Trick, who is in the first, you know, chunk of episodes is in there too but it opens up a lot of questions which i rewatched this last night and and faith seems to have a lot of stories for somebody who's only been a slayer for about three months 
Yeah, mm-hmm. there's that gator, and they're wrestling. And I mean, didn't she <laughs> spring into Slayerness like at the end of last school year when Kendra went down? Maybe she um, she was a Slayer in in training or something, and so she was she was already having some wrestling. I don't know. Yeah, well, it yeah. also brings to mind the question of why are there so many Watchers when there's supposedly just one Slayer? Well, <laughs> I think the show. I think the show says that there are there are potential Slayers that are being yeah. watched, and that that's they like they identify the ones that could be called, and then one oh. of them is oh, called. Yes. And so I must have missed that. I don't know if they've mentioned it yet. <laughs> I think it comes later that they retcon that in there, but but yeah, that's the idea. Well, her training has gone very very well over the last three months because she's. <laughs> yeah. Yep. She did apparently didn't take much for her to to take to it. Superpowers activated, <laughs> and this is mentioned later. But then also doesn't make the Watcher Council makes very little sense, including how the fact that they <laughs> seemingly hate Giles. Like he doesn't get invited even before yeah. he stops working for them. He doesn't get invited <laughs> to the retreat, despite the fact that he is one of the Watchers of the only two living active yeah, Slayers. He's watching the Slayer, <laughs> and they don't invite him to the retreat. Uh, he's the most important one in the council. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't understand. I yeah, the Watchers Council doesn't make it well. Uh, as the show goes on, I think the impression that you get over and over again is the Watchers Council is corrupt and incompetent. And yeah. they're just, yeah, they're just awful. Well, if they knew what they were doing, and this came to mind again, I think we may have talked about this previously, but why don't they just kill and resuscitate Buffy a whole bunch of times? Yeah. They could clean mm-hmm. out the vampires, no problem. Yeah, just create mm-hmm. a bunch of slayers, sure. Yeah, I think Buffy's I think Buffy's death is done, though, now. So that then they would have had to, like, kill and resuscitate Faith. Okay. Which they kind of did, so should there be yet another slayer? I don't know. I don't know. Mm. I don't know how it works. Um, <laughs> Nobody does. Anyway, lots of questions raised about that episode. We mentioned Lover's yeah. Walk, which is, is just, it is Spike comes in and makes trouble for everybody, and it's great. Like it's great. Yeah. And you're like, oh, Spike turns. There is more to be done with Spike. It's definitely the show yeah. being like this guy. We could use we could use this guy again. And at this point, I was like, please God, let Spike be sticking around for a while. But <laughs> no. he drives out of town, <laughs> singing "I Did It My Way" yep. to the uh, to the, the blackout uh, windows. Uh, yeah, the blacked out. Yeah, I'm like, how does he how does he really drive that car with like that tiny little like you know viewing vampire uh, sense area vampire yeah. sense, but. He's singing uh, my way. That's the Johnny uh, Rotten. Johnny right? Rotten. Yeah, yeah. It, it could only be better if there was a Billy Idol version. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Although Rotten had a very similar hair at this point yeah. as well. So, yeah, there's a number in this uh, in this season. There are quite a few sort of good little twists, and I think mm-hmm. this one has one of the better ones, where Cordelia has been impaled by uh, rebar. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we, we cut away from Xander saying, please stay awake, stay awake. And she falls, you know, pre- presumably into a coma or to her death. And then we cut immediately to a funeral, which is a nice little head <laughs> yeah. fake. That was well done. Yeah. And then, yeah, Buffy and, and Willow walk by and they say, so Cordelia's going to be okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought that was pretty solid. I, I almost bought it for a minute and I know she lives, so... <laughs> Again, you know, then you watch it and you're like, oh, that was good. Um, so I love the wish. Uh, I think it's I, yeah. I I uh I think it's a great it is in the classic, I guess, for Star Trek terms, this would be your yesterday's enterprise episode or maybe your mirror mirror, <laughs> but really it's your it's your alternate timeline. It's a sunny day of life. Yeah, and, and that's yeah, sh- sure, sure. So it's what if uh yeah, it's a wonderful yes. life in Sunnydale. Uh what if Buffy never came to Sunnydale? That's Cordelia's wish. However, there are a bunch of things in here 
that I really appreciate that are not what you expect. For example, Cordelia, who finally has reached Giles and has realized that, okay, maybe the hard lesson here is that Buffy being in Sunnydale is, is a good thing because it's a wasteland ruled by vampires now. She finally reaches Giles and is going to tell him what happened and she dies. Yes. <laughs> so she doesn't get to tell him that is great because you always yeah. figure it's like she's the key. She's the only one who knows. Oh, she's dead. She's dead. Right. And uh, <laughs> is it like Oz who says like, uh, well, if that was a charm, I hope she got her money back. <laughs> <laughs> and they have we have the alternate Scooby gang, which has Oz in it, and the and the yeah. guy and the guy and the girl, and the girl dies later off screen. They're like, oh, she died. Yeah, you knew she was gonna die because we had never seen her before, yeah. as far as I'm <laughs> moment yeah. moment of silence, right? Because it's the it's the football player guy. Yeah, that guy and the girl yeah. who who we'd never seen before, and then Oz and. Uh, and, and and so that's so we get we get all of that stuff. Um, we get we get Vampire Willow who will be back. I love Vampire Willow. I love so Vampire good. Willow. Um, the, the she gets to play with a puppy, which is Angel, who's being tortured. The yeah. the master is in it. I love the master. I love yeah. the master. I was so happy to see him again. And you know the best part of this episode, I think, is uh-huh. the master's grand plan is that he's built basically a juicer for people. A juicer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> juicer before it's time. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Just it's like the factory. What are they doing? Well, you put a human in here and all these <laughs> things stick into them and we suck all their blood out and then it's dispensed in a tap. In a tap. Yeah, I mean, and that's not like science fiction future like technology that vampires currently could be doing something like that, but they don't. Absolutely. You just needed somebody with the industrial vision of the master. <laughs> <laughs> they don't call him the master for nothing. The thing about that plant is it's not even that scary because you can still only kill pro- one person at a time the same way a vampire can. When they reveal that, I'm like, that's not... Like they were, they were leading up to this. Like this is the end of the world, but it's faster. It's more efficient. I think than- it is. I think they get more blood out, and and, and they can yeah. move them in there one by one. Um, it might be implied that there's like another track, but then of course this is the proof of concept. Then you just build another one and another yeah, one yeah. and another this one. Is the you prototype, just, and it's you just feed them in, and it's just like a yeah, it's a. A juicer for people. That's what it is. Just get that, get all the blood <laughs> right out of them. Um, yeah. Also, they they because this is all happening, we get we uh, in a parallel timeline. Uh, in addition to killing Cordelia, who, by the way, again, that's our Cordelia. She's dead uh, until sh- until the timeline winds back. She's she's dead. I mean, she was dead for a few seconds in the last episode, as far as I'm concerned. But okay, <laughs> uh, that's true. That's true. This time for sure. Um, and uh, we also get so like the last shot, again one of these things where not only does Cordelia die early and can't give her information, they have to figure it out. And Giles confronts Anya about this, Anyanka. Um, but uh, the master kills Buffy. Just in the moment before Giles brings his, uh, you know, smashy stone or whatever down on the on the locket. Um, mm-hmm. And that so it's like, I, I don't know, I really like I really like this episode and the fact that it goes in a few directions that your usual kind of parallel reality mm-hmm. does not does not go. And we get to see like just how bad the vampire infestation is. We get to see Willow and Xander. There's that great moment where Willow and Xander are uh, are bantering before they're going to kill Cordelia. And, and Cordelia is like, oh, God, because she's just found that, you know, Xander cheated on her with with Willow. And she's like, even in this terrible reality, you two are together. <laughs> like, she's so disgusted by it. It's great. It's great. I love it. Yeah. No, I, that's I, a good one. I love Anya so much um, 
that I named my first ever D&D character after her, oh. a slightly demonic character for uh, Shocktober on the Incomparables Total Party Kill. Yeah. So like, and I will probably never play that character again. I get a little bit sad every time I think about it because I think of Anya and Buffy every time I play her. Oh. I actually ended up being a little disappointed by this episode, believe it or not. Boo. I know, I know. I'm Mr. Potter in this It's a Wonderful Life scenario. Edit point. Uh, no. <laughs> well, the whole point of the whole It's a Wonderful Life thing is that the the uh, the person who wished for it all to go away, you know, has to learn and discover and, and realize <laughs> that they were wrong all along. And uh, Cordelia ends up dying. Well, she does, she does realize she's wrong, though, because she goes to Giles and says, okay, Buffy should be here. We need to get Buffy here. And then she dies. But then that's reset. Nobody remembers any of it when they, when they get back to the main timeline. And so it ends up being utterly kind of pointless. Yeah, I don't care. It's great. <laughs> I do like Vampire Willow. And it was a fun departure, but like... Yeah, well, Vampire Willow comes back, though. I feel like I feel like there could have been some interesting things done with the characters based on this. And instead, it was just like a, a sitcom episode. You know, at the end of it, it's all reset. It's really Anya's entry point, And they probably didn't know what they would do with her later. But she does become an important character in later seasons. Yeah. So I feel like they didn't know that here. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like they probably knew they were going to bring vamp- uh, Vampire Willow back because it's not too many episodes before Doppelganger. I don't think so. I I, no? I I don't think so. I think they legitimately uh, saw this episode and were like, "Oh my god!" Um, I, I, and that was that was a written and direct by Joss Whedon. So I think Joss Whedon saw this episode and said, "I have to. We need more of Vampire Willow." I think it was like, <laughs> like that quick. And I know it's like seven episodes later, but I, I I don't believe it. I think that that was not intended. I think they I think they discovered that. I do think they discovered Emma Caulfield and were like, "No, oh, that we could we could use that character again." Um, yeah. And that, of course, that that is in Doppelgangland. They use her again. So, um, so I think those those things are all connected. Um, that is a great episode too, by the way. So we could we just talk about that now too. The uh, vampire Willow comes uh, to our world and wreaks havoc, and there's lots of uh, of uh, wacky shenanigans involving vampire <laughs> Willow being put in Willow's terrible sweater while Willow puts on all the leather, which everybody loves. Yeah, that was great to have Vampire Willow back. Um, everybody wanted to see her again. And apparently nobody wanted to see Vampire Xander back. No, nobody wanted <laughs> no, to see No, it's fine. No, it's it's fine. But then we get we get we get to see Allison Hannigan not just playing Vampire Willow and Willow, but she gets to play Willow pretending to be Vampire Willow. Yes. Which is the best because she's really bad at it. Such a bad plan. Such a bad plan. Yeah. <laughs> The little wave to Oz, oh, the wave. which is pretending yeah. to be evil. Oh, it's the that best. That's really cute. She's so cute. It's it's amazing. So I I enjoyed those episodes, and that at least has consequences, Steve. Right? Because it's actually in our our world. Although, you know, then Vampire Willow is just sent back to the moment where she's staked. Where she is staked. Yeah. Did she get staked? Yes. In the, I forget. Did she? If she got staked in. Uh, in uh, the wish, yes, she did. Yeah, yeah. The, it's the same. It's that same shot. She's pushed up against the thing that's against it, the. Yeah, okay. she ends up exactly where she was. Yeah. So I don't recall her phasing out at any point. So you're probably right. I assume if they had been, if they had seen this one coming, she would have disappeared for a moment and would have gone. What just happened? Or there? they wouldn't have killed her off. <laughs> we should probably talk more about the Zeppo. Yeah, which yeah. obviously is going to be divisive, but I think it's probably my favorite episode of the season. And I don't particularly like Xander either, but I think this is, he's used well here. I think it's a good episode. I like, th- I do like this episode. I just don't like Xander. So it's- yeah, no, I understand. I, that makes perfect sense. It is such a good comedy episode. Like Xander 
is sent out to get the donuts and Cordelia is there to be the Greek chorus <laughs> pointing out just how useless a character he is. And, and at this point, Willow has got her spell casting powers. So he really is just a, a superfluous part of the group. And she points it out that he, while he's out getting snacks and he decides to buy his car so he can be car guy. But, <laughs> but he very, but he very quickly, you know, gets in trouble with, with O'Toole who, which leads to this after hours, like well, there's a whole American graffiti plot line that goes on here. Yeah, and the, the, the meandering where it's like I got to get the boys, and then it turns out the boys are all dead, and he has to raise them from the dead uh, on this night, which is a great little twist too, on top of everything else. Mm-hmm. And they have to. I want to bake a cake, and it's they break into a uh, you know a hardware store, and they're gonna they're gonna get explosives and all that, and throughout Xander keeps running into people he knows who are trying to stop this apocalypse that's happening in the background and he's like eh, oh, fine it's fine right like I gotta go off well he keeps he keeps trying to get out of his plot line please pull me out of this side you plot need, you need help right you need help bring me bring nope, me up it's fine we're doing good you should because they're, they're worried about him they're worried he's going to get killed the thing I love about this episode is it's the show really kind of skewering itself uh-huh. very effectively mm-hmm. in, t- in two ways really it, in one it's them admitting yeah we kind of screwed up we made this character we don't have any idea what to do with and he hasn't gotten to do anything this entire season so we've got to throw this actor a bone um, but also it's as as he's going through his night of hell we're treated to all these little scenes of the overwrought episode yes. that was, you know, that's yes. also happening in parallel. Like you, there's some sort of drama going on between Buffy and Angel that he busts in on accidentally. Oh man, yeah. And at the end, we've got the obligatory scene where they're all they're they're morosely sitting around a picnic table at the school, saying, "We all almost died, <laughs> but we pulled it together." And it's it's as a contrast to what's going on in Xander's plotline. It just it really I think points up some of the more ridiculous elements. Elements of the show itself, and I- every scene that they cut back to the main the the main plot that is not the main plot, but the, right. the plot with everybody else is this. It is like archetypal, totally overwrought. How how are we going to do this? We need to get this thing. It's going to be really bad. And then they keep ratcheting it up too, where it's like, well, if we, you know, hopefully it'll be in a couple of weeks. And they're like, tonight, <laughs> right? And it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. <laughs> um, and there's also that great moment where the where the stories intersect, uh, not just with Xander, but I really love the moment where they're they're preparing to battle this monster that's going to appear in the library. And one of the um, one of the zombie guys in O'Toole's crew like stops and looks in the door. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like, come on. <laughs> We gotta, we gotta keep going. I love the moment so much when Buffy and Andrew are doing their huge emotional speech about, you know, their fight about who, whether Angel's gonna sacrifice himself or whatever they're arguing about, and then Xander just the pops usual. in like, "Hey, uh, I'll, I'll come back." Yeah. Because literally, <laughs> for the rest of the season, every time Buffy and Angel had one of those conversations where they're hugely emotional, where they're breaking up, whatever, I just imagine Xander popping in like, uh, "Oh, bad time. I'll come back later." I mean, it takes some guts, I think, to to skewer your own whole sort of mystique, you know, that way, because it's it's obvious that they know where they've kind of you know fall, fallen into WB territory, mm-hmm. and they they realize it, and they're like, yeah, well, that's we are what we are, and here we are pointing out that we're aware of it, and uh, you know. <laughs> So uh, credit for Lover's Walk and the Zeppo, the writer of both those episodes is a guy named Dan Weber, who is largely an animated comedy writer. And they're mm-hmm. both funny. Big surprise. He wrote for The Simpsons and Space Goes Coast to Coast and 
Futurama, American mm. Dad. Uh, he was an onion writer before he got started. So yeah, anyway, uh, and both of those episodes are, are, uh, I think good. And I do love the Zippo because it is so funny. I always like the comedy uh, when, um, in the X-Files, they, the, those Darren Morgan <laughs> episodes started appearing that were comedy episodes that skewered the premise of the show. I love those too, for the same reason. It's like, oh, they get it. They get it. Okay, good. It, it makes me feel good that they yeah. got it. The fact that they're they're in on the joke, you know, <laughs> kind of kind of makes me appreciate that yeah. more. Well, and that the the idea that they want the typical Buffy episode running in the background as Xander is having this stupid adventure in the foreground. It's like right. it's so well done. It's well edited. Like the timing is perfect. It's just it's it's great. And the end, I have to say again, when I say that Xander grows up a lot this season. There is that moment at the end where he is staring down O'Toole with the bomb going off. And, yes. And O'Toole is like, you're a coward. Because he said before, it's like, you know, the difference between us is fear. And he hands him his knife and says, okay, it's not the knife. It's that you're afraid and I'm not. And in that moment, down in, with the bomb ticking off, Sanders like, I like the quiet. <laughs> and O'Toole's like, all right, I'm just, I'll turn off the bomb. I'm, I don't yeah. want to die. Uh, it's good. Like he gets, he yeah. gets his, uh, you know, he, he, he gets his backbone there. He grows up a little bit and, and does is the hero. Although I do want to know why Cordelia knows what a Zeppo is. She doesn't seem like the Marx Brothers. I know. <laughs> There's some backstory there that we're not privy to. Cordelia's dad was a big uh, Marx Brothers fan. I mean, this is a school where people are really into the big Buster Keaton festival down mm. the down the street. Yeah, so. nah, it's an insult. And she, yeah, she she brushes up on her pop culture knowledge just so she can get new insults. That could be. Mm-hmm. I buy that. It's a, it seems like very Cordy to do that. Uh, we should talk about, although I I don't think I rewatched this, but we should talk about the bad girls' consequences two part of it's in the middle of the season because this is the Faith decides to Faith influence on Buffy. Buffy decides that she could be a little more bad. Then Faith a- accidentally kills the deputy mayor or, and doesn't care, and uh, and it's all very bad. And uh, yeah. and you know I, I don't I don't love these episodes, but they are the core sort of like two parter in the middle of the season thing. Yeah. I was not expecting that turn of events. I will say that much for it. I was was actually somewhat shocked when she killed Alan, and you know, and it and it actually happened, and he wasn't a vampire, and there wasn't any kind of a, you know, immediate uh, rescue from that situation. Yeah, it's it's an effective plot twist, and we know that the mayor has been, uh, you know, has been working with him, so we've we've seen that, but he's not actually a bad guy, and he's not a monster, and. And he dies, and uh, and then that's uh, to me that's the true moment. And it's not like Faith going bad or being irrevocably evil. I think it's that moment where she she shows no real moral concern about what just happened. She, what I kill I kill things, whatever. Whereas we know that Buffy is always wrought with feelings of you know should I have done this? Was this the wrong thing to do? Buffy felt bad about killing Ted. You know, last season. <laughs> That's an interesting read of it because for what I saw, like, there's a couple scenes where she's like, it's very much like Lady Macbeth thing. Like, she has the blood on her clothes and she's really trying to wash it out in the sink. And I think for I read her conversation with Buffy where she's like, "You don't get it. I don't care." Is just complete denial of the situation oh, okay and that like mm-hmm. and that almost like her fall from this point forward is her trying to deal with what happened and like mm-hmm. because she's not able to process it and she doesn't open herself up to it she remains in denial and then she just was like well i guess this is who i am now because if i 
am not, if this isn't who I am, then I have to actually stop and process this and move forward as a person. And instead she just spirals down. Hmm. Yeah. I think, I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think my problem, I, 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 I could totally see that. I think my problem with it is just how faith has portrayed before this. I don't, I, I guess I, I don't give her enough credit coming into that moment. She doesn't seem to have enough layers for that to be possible. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I, I agree with you. I think you're right. That's, that's how it's supposed to be read is that, is that she falls apart because in that moment and can't deal with it. And then the consequences come thereafter in the episode titled consequences. (laughs) I think the most disturbing thing in bad girls for me is that she bails on that chemistry test that that was so important. And we never get to hear (laughs) what happened. Any consequences from that. And apparently the teacher can't see Faith when she busts through the window, which is a little odd. Now, the episode does, however, have what I think might be my favorite single moment of the season. And this is the episode where we're introduced to the new watcher, uh, Wesley. Mm -hmm. And he's a stiff. Yep. And uh, at one point he says to somebody three words, preparation, preparation, preparation. Preparation. And you can see Giles in the background. He's completely blurred, but he's back there. And even though he's completely blurred, you can see his head like cock heavenward, as if his <laughs> eye rolling was so strong it forcibly rolled his head back. Right. And it just made me laugh and laugh because it's such a subtle thing. But right. I know if it was if he was I know exactly what he would look like if if he wasn't blurred out. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah, um, I, I think for for Faith, it's like a. Part of that that moment of um, staking the vice mayor, you know, which I do believe she does by mistake, um, but, you know, Buffy is there. And Buffy, you know, is like the – Faith has to be more of a, you know – a slayer who says like, yeah, I don't care because Buffy does care. Like, you know, that dynamic of it's because somebody is, is telling you, you should care. You don't, you don't care. Or at least you claim you don't care. Um, We should mention helpless the previous episode, which is the 18th birthday episode. She loses her powers. It's this ridiculous Uh, watchers count again. Watchers council sucks. Like they, they, you don't, the slayers don't die enough that you have to make them powerless and have them fight without <laughs> no, their powers and all of that. Which no, is that was sadistic. But it is about yeah. Giles and his relationship with Buffy, which is one of my favorite things in the show. Uh, you know, is just yeah. how how good a you know mentor father figure he is and how much he cares about her, despite you know all of the pain that goes on in 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 and around her. That he is he is always there for her, and mm-hmm. in this episode he makes his decision which is basically what's more important following the stupid rules of the watchers or taking care of buffy and he knows what his role is it's to take care of buffy at all costs but i reject the premise of this whole episode for that very reason there's no chance giles would go along with that at this point i mean if he's so great he wouldn't have gone on along with it to begin with and that's Mm. why buffy is not you know is mad at him Mm -hmm. and i feel like she should have been mad longer also this was the episode i was watching it on the plane and I, my brother was sitting next to me and I go like, oh my God, there's, there's four guys in the scene and three of them have been on Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there's many Star Trek people obviously throughout, but like uh, that, that 75%, you know, uh, saturation of Star Trek characters 
That's when the Star Trek klaxons uh, fire. The, the red <laughs> alert sound is made at that point. But this is another thing that this season does so beautifully it is with the relationship between Giles and Buffy. Is like this. I think this is the first time is explicitly stated by anyone that like their relation. Like obviously we've seen this for a long time, but that it's a father daughter relationship. When the guy from the Watchers Council says you have a father's love for the child, and then this is before, but like right on the cusp of setting up the mayor as face father Uh figure, which I was paying a lot of attention to when I watched this season because I was thinking about that. And they Mm -hmm. do that so quickly and subtly. Like there's no real establishing relationship with faith in the mayor. It's not like something happened in particular. It gives her a PlayStation. Yeah. (laughs) But it's just in, in the way that they interact, like their interactions just get more and more affectionate until it becomes clear that like that is the relationship. Um, and they do that like super fast in the way that they've set up Giles and Buffy over the last three seasons. Yeah. And she, I mean, the impression I always get with those Faith Mayor scenes is that she is desperate for that kind of a care being given to her. Like she just and he knows it. soaks it up like a sponge and he does know it. Um, but he's he's happy to do it because, you know, the mayor as a character, right, like he we learned that he's hundreds of years old and he had a wife, but she got old and died and he's gone on and he's, you know, he's he's kind of a sad figure in a way while also plotting the end of the world and becoming a giant demon snake. Um, and so, like you, do. you know, yeah, yeah, it happens. <laughs> it happens. So I, 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 you know, I think that is, and he shows like he cares about faith. He, 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 uh, his, his caring for the people around him is genuine while he also is plotting to become a giant demon snake. So yeah. he can, he can do both. Um, getting toward the end of the season, I want to mention earshot because this is an interesting episode. Um, it is, it is important to the season storyline, I think, because Buffy gets the ability to read other people's minds, which kind of drives her crazy, but she also gets to hear about like, yeah, Giles and uh, Giles's uh, history with her mom. Uh, and there's also <laughs> other things and it kind of, and it's like a very, the, the point here is like, everybody's got, everybody's got this swirling. It's high school. Like she can, she's, can see basically she can hear all of the things that are going on in high school but she also hears uh a threat to the school um and uh what it ends up with of course is that she ends up confronting jonathan up in the clock tower which is i think intentionally meant to reference the university of texas clock tower shootings and he's got a long Mm -hmm. rifle up there and he says oh no you don't understand i was just gonna kill myself up here i wasn't gonna kill anybody else and they have they have a conversation there jonathan a character that keeps coming back too um this is an episode that was going to air um and columbine happened and it didn't air until september uh completely Mm -hmm. out of sequence with the rest of the season um but um i think it's a i think it's an interesting episode um and i think it's uh it it makes a lot more sense slotted in the season as opposed to yes. run completely out uh, right before the fourth season as it was in uh, 99. It's quite convenient that she got that power just as just the cafeteria lady was going to put rat poison and everything. The cafeteria lady who is apparently a shapeshifter. Yeah, well, <laughs> at points in the fight, she's different and... Uh... <laughs> Aren't we all? Isn't that? I think in the Buffyverse, when people are fighting, their faces slightly change. I think that's just a feature of the universe. That could be. Yeah. I mean, she she turns from uh, sort of a middle-aged, white, uh, slightly portly cafeteria lady into Christy Yamaguchi, which is... A good trick. It's uh, I, I actually have written down in all caps, that is the worst body double I have ever seen in my entire life. Because it struck me. I was watching an SD, 
you know, <laughs> that's the only D you can get this one in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gosh, lady, she's, she's large. <laughs> she's small. She's large. She's small. It's not so good. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's not great. But I do love this episode because it's a monster of the week, basically. It is. It is. And it's got some, it's got some, uh, you know, teen emotion stuff in it, plus the monster. And, and you know, it's, it's pretty good teen emotion stuff. Uh-huh. I think her discussion with uh, Jonathan in the tower is, is pretty solid stuff. Yeah, well, she she gets a whole view of her classmates having had that ability inflicted on her. This mm. cur- the curse of hearing other people. I always think that's really interesting when you get a, a, a an ability like this and it's a curse. Like she, she just can't tune these yes. people out. But then this also has some impact later on the prom episode, I think, which is great. I, I, I was going to mention that. So one of my very so the prom episode it, it is again kind of core. Buffy premise thing, which is it's a thing from high school, and then it's got all of the other, you know, all of your uh, issues from high school made manifest as horror, literally horror <laughs> movie things, right? And uh, and so we get that, and Angel's going to go to go to the prom, but then but he's going to break up with her, and all the like again, oh the angst, the angst is there, um, and it's a good episode, and then there's that last scene, mm-hmm. which is the scene where Jonathan steps up on stage. And says, you know, this is a really weird high school and a lot of bad things happen here. But, you know, for the last three years, who's been here saving our lives day in and day out? It's Buffy. And everybody's like, yeah. And they give her a little umbrella as class protector. It's so cute. And it is, it is, I cannot watch that. It gets mighty dusty when that scene oh, is yeah. playing. Oh, up. And it may that. be my favorite single scene from the entire show. Even though yeah. the episode's, it's fine. It's a good episode. But that moment is amazing. It's like that moment of like, you didn't think we saw you, but we did see you and we appreciate you. Yeah. And she's so happy. And she's just finished selflessly making sure prom went well for all of her friends, even though she knows it can't ever possibly go the the way she wants it to for her. Right. So it's just such a great moment. You know, it's like, well, you know, we, we understand we, we've been watching you all along. We know more than we let on, and uh, and when he when he says Buffy Summers, class protector, mm-hmm. I legitimately teared up. Absolutely, <laughs> it's a good moment. Well, like what what is it like? Lowest percentage of mortalities. Yeah, lowest mortality yeah. rate of any class at Sunnydale High. <laughs> so they know. They know. Um, you know which, you know the prom thing, and it brings me to a uh, a thing that I definitely do not like as much as I thought I would like is like the hellhounds. Um, they're you know, so bad. That yeah. They're terrible. And <laughs> as is Oz as a werewolf. Um, yes. Oh boy. Yeah. We have not <laughs> talked about this and I just have to get it off my chest. My, <laughs> my not hairy chest, my not like, you know, whatever. It's like, why is there a, why does the, the werewolf have to be like, a big fluffy dog. Because um, <laughs> it's Oz. You wouldn't want him to be awful. I, no, I, I want him to be more like, I don't know. I just want him to be more like a, like a Professor Remus in, in mm-hmm. Harry Potter or something. It's not dignified. <laughs> He's the least dignified werewolf ever. And I know they don't show him very often this season, oh, which no. is good. Yeah, because it's, yeah. Mm. It's not great. But yeah, then they then they do introduce the hellhounds, which are more of the same, I mm-hmm. think. And yeah, yes. they're not great. Although 
I will say there's a lot of bad CGI in these <laughs> early seasons of Buffy, but the scene where yeah. he's having the marriage dream and she burns up is mm-hmm. actually really solidly creepy. Hmm. It's one of the few CGI scenes I saw in this where I, I you know, it's still a little cheap looking because they're, nah. you know, they don't have a million dollars for, you know, to spend on every effect. But uh, even the expense of special effects weren't very good in 1999. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But I mean, stuff like uh, when Willow's spinning the CGI pencil in a previous scene, and I'm just yes. shaking my head going, oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. get a freaking piece of fishing line, yeah, you guys, really. do something. But but that's that scene is solid and uh, and I felt like I should call it out because there's probably somebody <laughs> that worked on this show that may be listening. Yeah. I want you to know at least one of your terrible effects worked out pretty well. <laughs> yeah, but you know those are terrible costumes and yep. that, I mean they aren't CGI, right? No, they're just Mm-mm. people in 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 hell hand suits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, graduation day part one and two. Um, again, by the way, because of Columbine and the fact that the part two features a bunch of armed students, uh, was delayed and not shown until the middle of July in the United States after. So part one was quite the cliffhanger, oh my. um, for two months, the, when it was intended to be one week. Uh, so this is the big one. Um, the mayor is going to give his speech at graduation and then ascend and become a giant, uh, well, we don't know what he's going to be, but there is a wonderful moment where they find a book of what he's going to be, and it's got a yes. fold out that folds <laughs> out again, and they yeah. and they don't they don't show what it's on it, but it doesn't matter. It's big and the long. timing of that scene is perfect mm. too when he unfolds the the third. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. keeps folding out. Uh, so this is the big one. Faith is uh, is working for the mayor at this point. She she poisons Angel. Um, they're pl- they're uh, concerned that they're not going to be able to stop the mayor. The mayor has Faith kills a professor in the first scene that it turns out to be a clue that they have to perhaps why the mayor would want to suppress that guy and his knowledge from possibly saving the day. Um, it ends with a big Slayer fight. This is it's interesting because it's like the double uh, double finale in a way where the Faith finale is in episode one where the Slayers fight because Buffy is there to basically kill Faith and take her blood to cure Angel, um, which in part two is kind of invalidated because it turns out Buffy could just have Angel drain some of her blood and then she's fine. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, you know, not fine, but she needed some to go to the hospital. Right. But, but And it's a little strange that she doesn't give chase to the truck that she could easily... Yeah, yeah, that that yeah. Faith, the, the Faith's body is on. But the fact is, it is a, a really climactic fight uh, that they have on a rooftop outside her window of her of her apartment that the mayor got her, and Buffy ends up stabbing her in the stomach with her own knife, and Faith, uh, to prevent Buffy from using her, uh, drops off the roof onto the back of a, a truck that's speeding by uh, as a way to uh, to to uh, mm. escape. It's a real shame when people be throwing away a perfectly good Slayer like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then in, in, in part two, of course. Uh, Faith ends up back actually in the hospital with the mayor while next door Angel has brought Buffy who is who is unconscious because he drained her blood in order to um to be cured of this and of course everybody blames or Xander at least is a jerk and blames Angel again just mm. give it up just give it up dude um <laughs> and uh and in the end we have our climax which is the mayor um 
in a wonderful moment, begins to give a speech, and Buffy says, oh my God, he's going to give the entire speech. (laughs) And in fact, as he begins, as the eclipse happens, and he begins to transform into a a demon, he he says, I got a bunch more cards, I got a whole thing about community in here, civic pride that I was going to talk about. Yeah. It's just a great, it's it's a great moment. And and it turns out their whole plan is they've armed the student body. There is a wonderful shot where this all happens, the parents start to run away, what's going to happen with all the kids? And the kids suddenly reveal they've all got weapons and yeah. and they're not. Yes. And it's such a great, just a wonderful moment. They've all got weapons and they're going to take the fight to the mayor and the vampires. And there's a plan that is slowly revealed that involves uh, Buffy ultimately taunting the mayor with faith and getting him to chase her into the library, which is full of um, explosives. explosives. And they blow up the school. And that's the last thing you see of Sunnydale High is that they blow it up. And what I will say about this episode is I think so much of it is really great. And I think it also says something about... Uh, Joss Whedon's vision exceeding the capabilities of a TV show because (laughs) I kept thinking this would be so great if it was a movie with a budget, but it's not. (laughs) And the snake is just a weird CGI shape from a bad video game and although they do some good things when it's running through the school yeah they do make some good choices right of just like seeing the long like kind of like the long run of the snake going through the school. But I love yes. the, I love the episode though, right? And at the end, they're like, "We survived." Yes, we almost yeah. didn't, but no, 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 no. We survived high school. Like, mm-hmm. uh, well, that's an us comment. But yeah, when the when cool. the the whole thing blows up and the the snake, the demon who was the mayor, I never until this watching heard him say like, "Oh gosh, oh gosh," <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is like so fitting for the character. You know. One thing about the mayor that did not occur to me until very late in the game, why does he want to ascend to become a demon? Why? Is there any reason offered? Uh, <laughs> why not? It's it, it's his well, I mean the idea is that he's he made a deal with the devil to be immortal or a demon to be immortal, but then he decided that he that that uh it was just being a human all for all time was no good, so he began to figure out there's some backstory about how he realized that he could put in this plan over a hundred years starting in 1899 and then it would culminate in 1999 by getting kind of ultimate power and then he would be able to rule and you know he's a bad guy he wants ultimate power and to rule but that's about it okay yeah well, it's a darn good thing all those students took archery in PE. Yeah, well, they, they, those are the ones who got the bows and arrows. Right? Clearly. <laughs> and uh, it is also good that the school, I think, uh, paid the extra expense for the nice gowns that zip up in the front instead of the pullover ones. Mm-hmm. So they could have that moment where they reveal all their weapons. It's all part of the plan. <laughs> so good. That's good. Yeah, there's a, there's a few good moments in the, in the end here. There's the distressingly awkward kissing scene that finally happens between Wesley and Cordelia. Oh, isn't that amazing where they've had, the, they've had their sexual tension all this time and then they kiss, they try to kiss twice and they're like, okay, well, anyway, have a good time back in England because there's nothing <laughs> it, there. It's like the perfect, the perfect vision of exactly how I felt watching that plot line <laughs> unfold right to see. Because, you know, obviously they're aroused, but he's like, keeping a, a couple of feet between him and her and still, you know, it's, it's, nah, it's, yeah. it's so awkward and awful and uh, it's, it's great. And when they cut it off with, well, uh, 
<laughs> have fun in England or whatever yep. it is. I'll write you a note. You also uh-huh. have the wonderful scene between Oz and Willow when Willow is just freaking out about everything that's going on. And she's like, why aren't you panicking? We need to panic together. It's a thing people can share. And he starts kissing her and he's, she says, what are you doing? And he says, panicking. And it's uh, <laughs> so iconic. Yes. I love Oz. <laughs> I know. I love Oz, too. Yeah, and so we get one last puppy dog look from Angel as he fades off mm-hmm. into the mist. Yeah, into his spinoff. But, I, but I, my final note was at least this season ended on a less depressing note, because I don't think I could have taken another end of oh, season no, two. Oh, no, no. <laughs> no, this is triumphant, right? I mean, this is... This, this is more like season one, actually. It's very similar to the ending of season it one. It is, right? There's, there's a lot of Prophecy Girl DNA and Graduation Day, for sure. <laughs> for sure. But it is, yeah, it's... it's And it, and furthering what happens in the prom, right? Because the prom, not only do the, is there that wonderful scene with Class Protector, but it feeds right into the plot of Graduation Day, which is, we're going to arm the students. And the, and the, it's yes. not, they're not going to expect it. And But all of the, us... And it, right, it's like the kids know what's going on the parents don't know what's going on in this town and at this school but the kids all know what's been happening (laughs) they're the ones who've seen stuff they're the ones who've had friends die and and they are mobilized by our gang and then the whole school is the scooby gang also point out it's a for it's a fairly large school with not a lot of people actually attending but it's sunnydale they probably lost again the death rate yeah right (laughs) and that's that's the largest graduating class right there yeah Yeah, we should have seen 98. There were like six people. Well, another thing that I noticed this time I hadn't really picked up on on previous viewings is Harmony. Yes. Gets bitten at the end. Gets bitten at the end. And I was like, oh, that's Harmony. That's how Harmony becomes a vampire. Uh And Mm -hmm. so... She'll be back. She'll be back. But but sadly, our friend, whose name I can never remember, the football player who was gay. Larry. Uh, oh. He, he gets, he gets uh, a moment where he brandishes a flamethrower. It runs out. He brandishes another weapon, and then he's chomped by the mayor, and that's his. Yeah. He goes yeah. out. And we liked him better than Harmony. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. The very last note I have written um, for my watchback for this just says, did they name him Richard just so Buffy could call him Dick? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Probably. I think so. That was the exact thing I thought at that moment. Yep. Of course that's why he's Richard. <laughs> and they waited. Waited for it. Waited till the last till the last yeah. moment. No, seriously, I I could see watching it this time, I was like, I can see the picture in Joss Whedon's mind of how this is going to go down. And uh, can you imagine a, with a budget and like more, th- there's a lot of a- actors, right? There's a lot of extras and there's a lot of students fighting and all that. But like, I can imagine like how, just how momentous this whole thing would be. And they do an okay job, but it, 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 it because there are, there's lots of fighting. There's lots of explosions. They spend a lot of money, but still, you know, it's a, it's a big moment and they have to navigate the fact that they've got a, you know, a few seconds of CGI snake to do here and there. And <laughs> it's, it's uh but I appreciate the, the, the attempt. Cause I like these episodes. It's just like, it's so big and you can see the show at several points during the whole run of the show. Really. You can see it straining against the fact that they have a TV budget and it's 1999 and there's only so much they could do, but it is, I just, I love, I love the, the, how how uh, appropriate it is that they that they Buffy and Giles push down a plunger and blow up Sunnydale High School. The show is never coming back here, although it does in the end in season seven. But it's like we're done. 
we graduated. We are blowing up the school. What will what will happen next year? And it's a triumph. <laughs> it's a triumph. They blew up the yeah. high school after all that. The library that we've been in all of this time that's like the core of the show, because it's a school show, they can't really pretend they already had the BS thing where Oz doesn't take a class and has to repeat senior year because they just wanted to have <laughs> Seth Green in the cast for another year. They can't do this again, so they have to do it, and so they just blow it up and like, okay, we're yeah. moving on. College next year. We're done. And really, isn't that a fantasy for many of us when yeah, we graduated? No. I mean, it's the ultimate of, of this show that has been about high school as metaphor. The yeah. final metaphor yeah. is that the last act is you blow up the high school and by the way, the the uh, uh, your... your uh, your principal is eaten by a giant demon snake. <laughs> sure. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Well, I mean, this is one of the things I was watching for watching this, this season was, I mean, obviously we know this, this show goes on four more seasons, but uh, there's so many things where high school shows just fall down when the main characters graduate. Mm-hmm. And um, I think by going out on a bang like that, <laughs> they, they make a, 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 it's a good, um, launching pad for college <laughs> and the various, um, future, um, uh, storylines that they will have. And season four is really good too. <laughs> and this is really good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like the, the next few seasons and definitely there's shows like, like Glee, after they graduated, I was like, I don't understand the point of the show anymore. Well, there is a struggle. I mean, I, I would argue we'll we'll see when we get there next next time. But I I, I would I, you know there is a struggle in season four of like how do we do this? Like how do we do this show with Buffy and company in college? And they they work out. They they have a take and they figure it they out. But it, it out. but yeah. it is like scary in the sense that they they don't have the library to go back to they don't get to do that anymore they got to go to to you know giles's apartment or the magic (laughs) shop or you know they got to find some other places or the dorm um and there Uh are some great episodes in in that season too but um well any final thoughts about about season three of buffy um it was awfully fun to revisit as these all have been um with with all of you um and uh, like i said at the top I, I'm reminded of funny how time works. I forget about all the plot things and I'm like, yeah, whatever that, uh, who cares? And I just remember the good things. But in watching it back, I was happy to see that the, the things that annoy me did not jump out. And instead I just was reminded of all the things that I, I liked in watching. them. I look forward to watching it for the first time again in a couple of years. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll all be brand new. It'll all be brand new again. again. Yeah. I think as a person who was watching this for the first time, a lot of those things stuck out to me more than they would have if I had some nostalgic feelings about this season. It was still really good. But I mean, there's there are an awful lot of Three's Company moments. I mean, the entirety <laughs> of of Enemies, where she's concerned about, uh, you know, Angel's interest in faith is based entirely on her, like, walking in and seeing something and walking out and oh, not yeah. talking to him. And there's so much of that stuff in here. And, uh, you know, it just as somebody who, who, who hadn't seen it before, you know, I kind of had to gloss over that probably a bit more than you did. Still really good. But uh, there, you, you could definitely see where the, the issues were with this season. But again, you know, I also have to put this in context of the times, uh, you know, the TV landscape, as you say, in 1998 was very, very different than, uh, 
than 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 it is today and uh so like all the bad cgi and some of the 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 tropes from tv of the time i I think it's all pretty forgivable i i just want to say you know sarah michelle geller really killed this you know yeah there were so many things in this season that required uh such incredible acting chops and she had them and when you compare her and sometimes when you're watching her in you know comparison to some of the other um characters she just blows it away i I think we said it on previous episodes but like one of the reasons this show works is because she's so good at a at a role that is really hard i think a really hard role to to pull off of being the lead she needs to be uh, she needs to be tough. She needs to be uh, vulnerable. She needs to be conflicted. She needs to be confident. It's like there's a lot going on with Buffy, and <laughs> Sarah Michelle Geller yeah. kills it. Most importantly, she has to feel real. Like every everyone around her is basically a caricature, and it's it's it, all all that's really there that, that that the characters that have any basis in reality are her and Giles. Yeah. And she she has to for this to work, she cannot be a caricature. She has to have depth. She has to have layers. And uh some of the writing doesn't help her a whole heck of a lot. And uh what she's able to pull off with what she's given and with the difficult task that she's got is frankly pretty pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Every time I, I watch one of these seasons, I'm always blown away by by the level of of talent on display from her. Yeah, I think something about my theory is that because she was a child actress on soap operas, I think Sarah Michelle Gellar in this, you know, and she's, I don't know how old she is when she's playing 18, but she's probably like 22, 24, something like that. But she, for a young actor playing younger, like she's got super great acting skill. And I think maybe part of it is that she'd been doing it for a while. And so she she really kind of knew what she was doing, and maybe it, it's also just that she's incredibly talented. But I think it's I don't know she she is asked to be the lead in this show, and she does it. And you're right, I I think Anthony Stewart Head is also a really important grounding for the for the world that they're in. Um, and he's got a difficult job because he's Mister Exposition, but they both do a great job at it. And I, I'll say shout out to Al- Allison Hannigan who uh, has a bunch of amazing <laughs> moments in this, especially mm-hmm. when she yeah. gets to be Vampire Willow. It's nice when they let her not be the Willow character. Yeah, well, and she, Willow has her her character really undergoes as one does when one goes off to college, undergoes a bunch of uh, of changes that let Allison Hannigan do a lot more uh, next season, but. Um, this is uh, she. She gets a lot here to do, and they yeah. dress her better this season too, which I really appreciate. There's mm-hmm. a little less of the Oshkosh bagosh. A little, yeah, that's true. Although that that sweater she wears in Doppelganger, the sweater is that's deliberate. Is though. deliberate, yes, yeah, so that they can put her <laughs> evil duplicate in it. <laughs> I want to say, jumping off of that, it's just a quick thoughts wrapping up this season is like I, despite the shaky start to the season, I feel like the end of it does such such a good job of setting up the characters and like we've already touched on transitioning out of the high school plot line and with Willow is I with all her witch stuff and they're setting her up and um, Buffy and Xander matures a lot and they have the characters that. Well, whether or not they knew it or not, are going to join the Angel spinoff in L.A. And I feel like everyone leaves this season really well poised for kind of falling down the rabbit hole in their various ways in the future seasons, which is really cool in retrospect to see. Uh 
Yeah, well, I think knowing that they were going to do that spinoff, they at least had to give some serious thought to what the... And knowing that they were going to lose the high school, right? You, you had to go into... You couldn't just go into the end and think, well, I don't know, whatever. We'll figure it out next year. I think they must have given some serious thought to the, <laughs> the, the directions they were going. Yeah, it feels like they had a much better long-term plan than short-term plans throughout this season. Yeah. A lot of their short-term plans don't work out too high. Yeah, no, and, and I could say, like, halfway through, it's it sort of feels like halfway, two-thirds of the way through the season is when they really knew where they were going this season and where they were going on into the future. And it just it kind of took them some time to, to get it together. It's it's funny. I mean, I, I, I think the end of season two of Buffy is such a, like, uh, such a high, high. That is my favorite season of Buffy, and that ending is just amazing. And that mm. season three very much was like, wow. Where do we go from here? You know, we don't want it. We can't do that again. How do we figure this out? And then, and by the end, they figure it out. Network says we got to bring Angel back, but we don't know what to do with him. Yeah, <laughs> but he's got to be there. <laughs> he's got to be there because we're gonna spin him off next time. But, uh, but it ends. It ends really well. It ends with a whole bunch of strong episodes. So, um, and Faith gets better. <laughs> Faith gets better. I, I kept reminding myself, oh, she was so compelling later, but here is not as not quite as much. But it's fine. It's still. Mm. Uh, it's still fun, and a lot of these episodes are really great. All right, well, uh, then I think we're about done with this season. But, of course, we'll be back in you know some time, some amount of time in the next year <laughs> with, uh, with season four. And we'll go off to UC Sunnydale and uh, see what horrors await in uh, higher education. But until then, I want to thank my guests for joining me to talk about, again, my favorite, perhaps, probably, almost certainly, favorite TV show ever and, uh, and a, a good season of it. Aline Sims, thank you. You know, the cool thing about UC Sunnydale is you can make your own major. Mm. It is. It is. And they they do give letter grades, though. They don't just give you a written Mm. evaluation like Santa Cruz. Uh, Gene McDonald, thank you. Thank you. And I'm excited for another year of uh, Buffy. Yeah. Quinn Rose, thank you. Congratulations to the panelists. You all proved more or less adequate. (laughs) (laughs) And Steve Lutz, we survived. We did. And uh, I have two words that are going to make all that pain go away, Jason. (laughs) Miniature golf. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable. We'll see you next week.